Really telling it like it is on this beautiful Tuesday. This is Apostle Baker J. Baker, who happens to be a doctor in psychology. And <clears throat> this program is the one really telling it like it is. So I have my uh, eldest child on with me today. Um, she's a pastor. She's a number of different things. But first of all, she's my child. She's my daughter. And uh, she's the very first of my biologicals. And um, her name is Lonzine Lee. And without any further talking about it, um, welcome Lonzine to the program. Pastor Lonzine, welcome Lonzine to the program. Thank you very much, Mother. It's good to see you. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about some things that I think um, is hitting. Um, uh, I hear a lot of people talk about um, how their parents were ministers and how uh, how it turned them against the church and how disappointed it was because they did the congregations or whatever it is didn't take care of them and just a whole lot of other things. Yours is like a little bit different. I didn't become a minister until after you were an adult or supposed to be an adult. And um, so, <laughs> yeah, you got that. Um, so what I want to talk about today is what was the transition like um, growing up with uh, brothers and sisters and cousins that were adopted or cousins that were like brothers and sisters and eventually became real brothers and sisters by adoption. And, you know, living the life that you lived, uh, I'd like for you to go ahead and start to talk about some of the things what was this transition? What was this stark transition? What was that like? Or what was your childhood like? Any and all of those things, because I think it's very important as to how people uh, view, you know, they have all these pictures of their parents and stuff. And um, any rate, I just like, I'm just going to wind you up and allow you to talk for a while. Go ahead. Well, well, I'm going to quote Shakespeare a little bit and say it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. <laughs> it was it was an interesting time altogether. I grew up with you in the unsaved mode. So a lot of the stories that you allude to when you're sharing, I, I was I was a witness to some of it. I, I don't I I really appreciate the fact that in the worst days of whatever you went through, we didn't see that because you sheltered us. So I had a sheltered upbringing in spite of the fact that I was exposed to drugs and I mean, just some of the perversities of life, you know, but it was, it was always with the, I want to tell people this, you see, my mother would have shot them with hollow point bullets. And so we were very protected <laughs> in our thing. It was like, no matter how pretty or appealing they thought any of the children were, nobody touched us because they would die. And since we grew up with that sense of protection, I grew up with that. Uh, that was uh, that was just what to me was normal life. So being used to watching you and I, I as you know, we had a um, there was a lot of issues that I had. And so there was a lot of war and, and, and it wasn't actually hatred, but it, it could come off looking like that. And yet whatever you did, I was still going to follow you. So as long as I just didn't know how to sin like you. 
and I was kind of stupid, which means living in even more darkness than, you know, I was unaware of the nuances and what people were like and, and things of that sort. And so I was really, really not good at it at all. And so thankfully for me, you got saved. But when you got saved, I didn't understand it. I, I think it was about the time the house caught on fire. You were up in um, Northern California. By that time, you had put me out your house and told me to get I needed to leave. <laughs> so so I, I was 21 or 20 something, very arrogant and unthankful. And you put me out. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you people, this is the truth. I had an apartment. I was working at UCLA and I had my very first apartment and I was supposed to move in on a Saturday morning. But that Friday night I got arrogant and it was probably about five or six o'clock in the evening. And she asked me if I had the number to the landlord. I said, yeah. And she said, call them because you need to move tonight. And we were sitting down to dinner, but she had my younger sister drive me to Los Angeles. I didn't even get to have dinner. I got a sandwich to go. And um, she wrote me a check because she was giving me the money, fronting the money for my move in. And she cried. <laughs> I was like, cried that her daughter was leaving or cried because she's happy I was gone, whatever the reasons were. And that was kind of the way it was. So my point is, is that I was not in the house at the time that your salvation story happened. I was living a different lifestyle. And, and the last time I had checked in with you, we were still sinning. So when you got saved and, and all of this other stuff, I didn't even know. I, I, I wondered about that. And I was sharing with uh, before we went live that I would drive from Los Angeles back up to Northern California to see you. And I get saved every Thanksgiving and Christmas because that's what you wanted us to do. So, you know, we prayed the prayer and then we go back to the life because I really did not understand that you were different. And I think that it, it, it didn't catch even your salvation when, when I moved from L.A. back and there you were in this house full of these people with the craziest stuff going on, all this prayer in tongues. And, and I didn't know what was wrong with you. I really did not understand. I came to be good. I was going to be good. I didn't know what, what, you know, I was going to be good according to the days of growing up as a little Baptist kid in the church. That was my idea of good. But what you were doing was different. And so I didn't even know you were in ministry. I mean, it was it, it sounds odd, but because you never sat down and said, OK, this is what I'm called to and this is what I'm doing. You just went off to Africa and you went off to Israel and you went off to different places. You went to Bible college. I showed up for that, you know, because by now the salvation thing has started to kick in for me. But I didn't actually know you were a preacher. And so by the time I, I mean, I knew they called you evangelist, but I didn't know an evangelist was a preacher. <laughs> so, so by the time it all caught up, it was life. You know, it was it was just simply life and you didn't neglect. So I didn't, you know, go through that. How did you um, when you came back from North, uh, Southern California? Because one of the things of it was, is this is that uh, as I remember it, when I wrote you to check um, and did what was necessary in order for you to, to, to get out of there. I cried because number one, I knew that I was sending someone away that was not equipped to really deal with what it was there, but your arrogance and your dishonor and disrespect, even then, even in the sinful ways, there were certain things that could be done because I had to go back to the fact that number one, you were raised by your grandmother. And so I couldn't understand that. You were raised a lot of the years uh, uh, by her in a sense, but I financially took care of all of you guys. But 
uh, I was, she uh, uh, kept you so that I could work and I could go to school, so that I could do whatever it was that I was to do. But I knew that this wasn't a part of who it was because uh, I didn't talk to her that way. And so one of the things of it was, this was um, uh, one of the generational blessings as I see it. And so that was not allowed for you to do that to me. So I meant my crime was I have to get rid of her before she is no more. And that was the, that was, that was really the thing, because if you had stayed there, you'd have probably not left, you know, walking, you'd have been left feet first. And then I would have been in prison. Okay. Because, um, you know, way back then it was, I brought you into this world. So I'll, I'm, 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 uh, I'm able to take you out. But what happened that allowed you to, yeah, that was, that was, that was it. Mud holes, as I recall. Stumping <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the mud holes in, in that and all of those kind of things. I mean, I, I, yeah, when you left at that time, I was not saved. Um, I mean, I was saved, but I wasn't, I hadn't given the Lord my life. Yeah. But uh, what happened that made it so that you decided to come and um and 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 be with and come back to northern california what was uh, what happened who uh, how did you decide that you were going to come to my i was raped um by um i don't remember which guy but um it was it was i played around a lot i think i had i had actually prayed the prayer with you and um um the, the, yeah, the rape happened uh, after I had, had, what had happened is I had a nervous breakdown at work and I, I won't go into the whole testimony, but I was at work and all of a sudden I fell apart and I didn't know what to do. And I, as you know, I was scared to die. I, 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 I knew enough about hell. I was scared to die. I was, sometimes I would have anxiety attacks and I couldn't sleep. And that one night you, I called you, it was after, um, I'd gone to work and I just fell apart. I disappeared. So my friends, all, and I had one of those homes where all the folks from the club were also friends. And so they would all come to my house. And so people were staying. So I had men and women looking all over the city of Los Angeles for me. And that was the night I almost got murdered. And so when I called grandmama, your mother, and she, I, she had, I was on the radar. I was evidently, there was like some kind of supernatural thing that was going on because of the different people that were looking at your sister, Auntie Meme, was the one that told me God is calling you. And she was still doing the drugs thing, but she came out of it enough to tell me, I know what you're going through. And she hit it immediately. And once I heard that, I was like, oh, okay. And um, I ended up leaving the man that was assigned to kill me that night and taking a bus and going home. And I've got all these people looking and you're on the phone. They said, you got to call your mother, you got to call your mother. And you led me to the Lord that night. And uh, it took, this was the real one. And then I think fast forward a couple of months and um, I got raped. And so it was just like, okay, I think it's, you said it's time for you to come home. I said, okay. So I quit my job. And I think within 30 days or something, I left LA and I got into, you know, I, I didn't even have a car, I rented a car, loaded it up and drove back to living your house. And that was when I made that internal decision. I'm going to be good. And that's when I showed up. And as I said, you're praying in tongues and you're doing all kinds of stuff. And I did not know. I didn't get this memo. So I didn't know what was up. Well, uh, Audrey May, uh, uh, your aunt, um, 
she had been, she was still doing heroin uh, mm -hmm. or whatever it was, because she'd been a heroin addict for about 30 years. And she was the one, um, uh, from what I'm understanding, she said something you needed to be with your mother or your grandmother yeah. said you could live with me. And when I led you to the Lord, it was like one of these things, God, kill her or have her to really accept you. Okay. I don't really care which one it was. So it, <laughs> it was that hardcore evangelist that I was at that time. <laughs> like either do her in, make sure she's saved and then take her out. So, um, you know, she didn't destroy uh, her opportunity of being with you. And yeah. it was, uh, it was one of those things. And then you came to live with me. Mm -hmm. thinking uh, at that time, how these people going to tell her, how these people going to tell somebody they're going to come and live with me? I mean, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, I was saved. I was I was uh, uh, filled with the spirit. I was all that, all that empathy and all that stuff. But I didn't want you to share my house. Oh, no, not me. And I, I, I mean, people may not understand that, but I was one of the most depressing people you could ever be around, carried a heavy uh, gloom. And I was really, really stupid. So that means that I would open up to all kinds of scenarios. And I was miserable on top of everything else. So, and I, I recently heard a man say that the he well he killed a woman. He had injured her, but he killed her because she was so miserable. He just decided to take her out of her misery. So, I mean, that came from a, a, a very strange place. But I, I really do understand. I was also somewhat suicidal, you know. So, I yeah, I was I was miserable. It it, it does not hurt my feelings when you say because I can imagine people. I don't know what it was. As if it, you came in a room and it was as if a dark cloud. Had in the room and it was like one of these things i'm thinking okay i don't want to live around this either we're gonna get her delivered or she gonna get out of here okay either she gonna get delivered or she gonna die and yeah. since i had accepted jesus but i understood one thing and this was one thing i really understood i understood that god will forgive you for anything <laughs> in my head i'm thinking i know what i could do i know where i could bury her i know I could kill her and I know how I could bury her and I know what would happen so that they would never, ever, ever find her. Yeah. And you were mean to me too. Huh? You were mean to me. You didn't oh, yes. did want me. I mean, you were mean. Oh, oh no, I did not. I did not want you there. And then, and then what happened? And then what happened? What happened? Actually, I didn't want you or your sister there. I didn't want nobody there. Okay. It was like one of these things. I'm barely, I'm, I'm barely, I'm barely doing this myself. So I mean, having you guys there, it was like one of these things. Is like, hello, this is all this to carry, and then my sister calling, saying, "Sister, I need some help. What kind of help do you need? I, 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 I need, I need some money. I need some money." And then my brother calling, saying, um, "Hey." Uh, I, I need this and I need this and, and all of these needs and all of these things. Yep. And I'm thinking, how can I, how can I escape? We was trying. Not <laughs> that was, that's not what he had. And he reminded me, he reminded me of the promise that I had made to him that I will give you the same, I will give you the same uh, uh, number of years and I will serve you with the same uh, tenacity, the same all in that I did 
grateful for all these years. And that was one of the things that saved me from being in prison, saved your life, saved yep. a whole lot of things and stuff. It did. You had mentioned our, our prayer meetings and things. Tell me, as as uh, when did you really realize that you were a preacher's kid? Oh, golly. When did I realize I was really a preacher's I don't know. I You know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that um, it pro I don't really think I connected with it, if that makes any sense at all. I mean, you were doing what you did. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know where, I didn't know you would leave the country so often, you know. Um, so the connection to being that, I think it may have picked in a Maybe this is a better question. What made you know? Because you know, I'd gone through transitions and I'd gone through this. Oh, this week I'm this, this week. Oh, yeah. this week I'm 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 this and and you know, I mean I I'd done the gamut you know if it was out there I had I, I was I, I was in it you know yep. <laughs> but the thing is is this when did you find out when did you realize that this is real that all the uh, all the sex parties all the 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 uh, orgies all of those things that you know I kind of hit you guys from them but you already knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. Parties, yeah. all of these things. When did you realize uh, that you didn't see that anymore, and that that well, uh, was really simple? Because your parties, oh, we used to get a lot of money. We got a lot of money. People would give us money and pay us to leave the house. None of these people was paying us to do nothing. They were telling us to come and sit. But I think the day that it really kicked in for me was the day when you had your about with alcohol, and you had burned the tea kettle, and 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 I came in and saw it turned off, and and. I, by then I had learned a little bit about prayer and I learned just enough to lay hand, two fingers on a bottle of alcohol and pray for you. And I saw you stop. And so it was the fact that, I mean, you were annoying with the things that you would talk about, about the Bible. And that was all that you would talk about. And in the way that you would pray or, and sing Isaiah 60 or 61 or whatever, rise, shine for the light. It's like, you have got to be kidding and getting up to go to prayer meetings up uh driving uh well you were living up in santa cruz mountains or thereabouts and it was the way people were talking to you and the people that you brought around and when i would share things from my los angeles life and it would actually and i'm speaking one or two little four-letter words and you're like oh you know not not speaking them but reading i never cussed in front of you but but um it was subtle layers upon layers upon layers. But when you gave me my Bible and, and I started to read it and I started to believe it myself, not because of you anymore, but you were able to answer things and you and your prayer partner and I would look at your faces and I'd see something very different. Well, it drew me. I'm like, well, if this is what we're going to do, then this is what we're going to do. And so I don't know that I necessarily knew I was a preacher's kid as much as I became a child of a preacher who I whose message was being preached and lived in the home. And it was enough to convert me. And I think that that's probably what the difference was for me. It was less about the I, I, I heard about these people in this PK syndrome. But I, as you said, I was an adult. Well, so I was old enough anyway to be an adult. And um 
it it started to really hit home. I again, I didn't have the drug stories. I had the rape stories and the abuse stories and the torment stories. But I had a parent that was strong enough, you know, and it was probably when I started making the transition to stop trying to protect you from the evil that had been done to me. And you were showing that you could take it. I don't know that I believe that you loved me. I mean, I knew that you would kill people for me, but I didn't necessarily know that you really loved me. It took a few more years, you know, for that, because we had so many battles and there was just so much pain, you know, not understanding that at that time. But um, you were not truly my enemy, though I could treat you like that. But I did not recognize that other than Jesus, you really were my best friend. You're muted. Oh, there it, you was an it was an interesting thing in that um, with all of these things, God knows how to protect us mm -hmm. in that we can't even imagine. Because uh, when you were raped at eight years old, and I didn't know it, okay, and it was not one of those things of neglect, it was a thing that I really thought it was, uh, you know, a, a part of something that should have happened where you should go and see your, your father and your fam that family and all of this stuff. But, you know, one of the things that I, 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 let pe I tell people, you know, um, don't try to protect your parents from what it is that they're going to do. And mm -hmm. I know there was a threatening type thing to you, you know, if you tell her then she will kill me or cut me up and she will do this and then she'll be in prison. Well, yep. you know, for an eight-year-old child, this is really something. And so can you remember any of that torment, that torn between two things? You know, I really want to tell my mama because I know that my mother will take care of and protect me and this will never happen to me again. And then mm -hmm. ain't your mother because she has this violence about her or... Uh, real reputation, this real, anyway, this whatever it is, certain things we ain't talking about because we don't have Anyway, okay. But um, can you, can you, help, uh, can you go through some of that? What's uh, the, the uh, uh, double mindedness, actually, what it was, the being torn between those two things? I really, what I ended up doing is just stuffing it. Um, with grandmama, I was ashamed. With you, I was afraid. I was afraid, not of what you would do to me, but that you would kill. I didn't like you very much, but you were the best thing I had, you and, you and your mother. And I did not want to lose either one of you. I didn't want my grandmother to be in my eyes. I didn't want my grandmother to be ashamed of me. And I didn't want you to go to jail. So that that base, so I stuffed it. So I kept it. And of course, the torment of that level of torment had to do with keeping a secret and having to stuff it so far down. I would I kept it from myself. And what happened is I began to be very afraid. Grandmama used to ask me all the time, why are you so timid? Why are you so timid? And I was timid. Um, um, <laughs> wow, Angela. <laughs> I just saw the name of somebody from my high school best friend right there who's, who just showed up. Um, so I, I just became a, an actor 
And I played different roles and I wasn't real. And I also did not know how to be myself because that's when I learned astral projection and exiting my body and becoming her and, and she instead of me. So my reality just shifted. And I know you saw that because I was, I was very odd, but it was my escape mechanism. I didn't know how to escape to God. And so this was the best that I knew how to do. And coming back, coming into, into salvation and into all of these different things, as you know, it took a long time. Um, I couldn't keep the secret. And so I leaked it to relatives who told. And that, of course, caused me to become very unforgiving and bitter. And so, I mean, we just, we went, it, it, it's a whole session by itself. So I, I know we're almost out of time. So that's, that's basically what I did. And it gave you a whole lot to practice. <laughs> it was a mess, yeah. Well, no, no, it was. It was practicing. It was actually the opportunity to practice what it was that I was doing in different places. But there was a lot of witchcraft. You see, there was a lot of witchcraft going on uh, and, and stuff. And you didn't know, really didn't know my past and some of the things that had happened to me. So it was like... Um, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of it was sorcery, witchcraft, all of those different kinds of things were going on. And that that uh, that vi that real violent nature. But the yeah. thing that was, is this it was really one of those things. It was uh, when God says when when he when the sun sets you free, you're free in your actions. Yes. And I remember one of the things that you said, we have about two more minutes. One of the things that you said, we're going to continue this next week with uh, Pastor Lanzine, with Lanzine Lee. Uh, I just want my audience to know that. Um, one of the things of it was, is this. Um, I, I remember praying down there and praying for all of my children. And you know, your brother was off into his stuff and, and my sister. And I mean, the, the whole family was a hot mess, you know, and um you know, it was it was one of those those types of things. Mother's mother was going into Alzheimer's and, and, and all of that. She was forgetting stuff. Uh, my sister was using up everything and having to send her places and having to supply for everybody, having to do that. And then I had gone from riches to rags. I meant, you know, being well off, being able to do whatever it was that I was to do. And then losing everything, but then God restoring stuff and restoring it to the point that they could all do what was necessary to be done again. And uh, this was this was something. But I remember when you read in your Bible that you were to go into your closet, yeah, and in that secret place. And I remember Karen, Reverend Karen, and. Uh, uh, Minister Dorothy, who she is now, and all of these people would be coming there for prayer. And uh, when we meet on the next program, I'd like for you to be able to, to share that because actually I heard you praying. Finally, you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Actually, your language was more uh, uh, exuberant then than, 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 you know, than it is now, you know, and you were just going on and on and reading the Bible and uh, understanding and how uh, Apostle uh, Silvestri played a place in your life. This is Dr. Baker, J. Baker, Apostle Baker, J. Baker, and I see my son, A.J. Nunez, on there, Apostle A.J., whom I love, love, love. That's my baby boy. Anyway, um, uh, we have to go now. If you want to give into the ministry, that all that information is on there. 
This is Apostle uh, Baker, Jay Baker, who happens to be a doctor in psychology, and Pastor Lanzine Lee, who happens to be my daughter. And we're saying goodbye for now. Please join us next week when we're back here to really tell it like it is. If you have any questions about anything, send those questions in. We'll answer them. I'm not ashamed to answer any of them. So we got to go now. Bye-bye.